Welcome to the Best of Health Podcast. I'm your host, Coach Matt. Today we are recording live at Lifestyle Fitness. We are privileged today to have two very special guests in the studio, Will and Linda, the Run Gurus. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning, guys. So we're super excited to have you here at Lifestyle Fitness with us today. Can you kind of give us a, a little background of how you guys became the Run Gurus and how you got involved with running? Well, it started with me back in the early 80s when I was a competitive athlete myself, and I was asked to put on a, a road race down in Pasadena, Texas. 1983, the Channel Industry Sports Association. Uh, what was remarkable about that was I, I gained an appreciation for building things from the top down. Um, Alan Shepard was the sponsor of the 5K run, and for those of you that may not remember, Alan actually walked on the moon, so I was sitting at the table with this fellow that had walked on the moon, and I thought, if this guy can walk on the moon, we can put on a 5K road race, certainly. So that was my introduction to uh, road race management. It's been a um, almost a 40-year career now. Hey, that's awesome. That's a great story. Thanks, Mo. How about you, Linda? Well, I've only been involved with running um, coaching-wise and uh, post-collegiate um, for 15 years with Will, and he's the actual only guru. I was uh, pretty much just an athlete since sixth grade, competitively. But you're my protege. But I'm his protege. I've been told. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> so I think I heard mention that you were a multiple. You did multiple sports growing up. Yes. Okay, was that? How do you feel about athletes today, like youth athletes, specializing in a sport, or do you think they should be doing multiple sports? Or what's your take as a as a coach and those kind of things? Things have changed today. There's a lot of specialization. Um, I am not against it. Um, but for the most part, when they're young, I think they should do multiple sports. Uh, I think they need a break from the sport that they're uh, doing all year round to uh, mainly for their muscles to get, you know, awesome. something else. Yeah, that's great. It's a lifetime development process. We, we encourage our athletes. Um, the Rundies, uh, certainly Madison, with her love of other activities, climbing and, and running and jumping and throwing. And uh, with the, some of the youth that we work with, we encourage them to be in wrestling and baseball. And uh, I'm kind of grudging on football because I'm not a real fan of, of kids taking part in such high-impact sports, but certainly the more well-rounded the athlete is, the more sports that they're involved in at an early age, it helps develop them not only as an athlete, but as someone that has a better understanding and appreciation of sport in general. Okay, great. So, you guys working together as a female coach and a male coach, do you think that's very helpful working with um, athletes today? From my perspective, it's, it's been one of the greatest assets that we're able to offer our athletes. Um, whether we're working with young men or young women, we're able to address specific issues 
that may arise because of our combined experience, not only as coaches, but at, within our own dealing with, with women and men, and, and especially the younger ones. Um, Linda has a very good touch with communicating with kids. Um, I try and hold more of the coach's whistle and let her handle the Questions. The questions. Yeah, right. and, yeah, and most of the youth and, and, and women are more comfortable talking to me. E e even men will talk to me more than they will Will. He, he's more of the writing the uh, programs out. And I, I, you know, go along with them. And She's a nice buffer. Yeah. Sounds like you guys are a great team. That's very cool. Awesome. So the next question I was kind of wanted to bring up, recently there's been a lot of news about the defunct Nike Oregon experiment and uh, with um, Mary Kane coming forward and telling her story about um, the abuses and sexism she experienced, kind of what's your guys' take on that whole experience and story? I think it's just um, sad what happened, you know, um, and, and it probably was the coaches not... Um, knowing what was going on and not listening to her. Um, it, it's just stuff like that ha has happened um, and can be prevented. She should have went to someone earlier to, but I'm not going to blame her. Right. You, know, you know, the coach probably made her feel uncomfortable. Absolutely so. did. The, I mean, Salazar, always a, a man of mystery always a coach with great success but always had those questions around his training principles not only as a coach with the nike oregon project but as a competitive athlete um, salazar was one of those guys that he actually ran himself to the brink of death at the new york city oh, wow. marathon his heart was stopped at the finish line the guy gave everything he had into the sport, and he's tried to utilize every single advantage, whether it be legal or not, unfortunately, okay. to, to get his athletes to that same level. I haven't respected Alberto Salazar's efforts with the Nike Oregon Project at all because of, of those measures that he's willing to, to attempt to achieve excellence. This, with Mary Kane happening, um, illustrates what a toxic environment it was in that training program. Um, body shaming, public weighing, uh, criticizing the athletes in, in, in front of their, their mates, none of that has any place at all in a, in a sound and, and viable training environment. Sure. Now, as a father of a, a young runner, I'm kind of concerned about these kind of situations. Do you guys have any advice for how girls can deal with those kind of situations if they, they were confronted with something like that? Hopefully that, you know, their parents can, can make them aware of it too before they go into a coaching uh, protocol. But, um, Talk to your kids. Yeah, that's as a great parent. advice. 
Yeah. yeah, let them come to you, let you know if something's going on. And I'm, I'm going to second that. Parents are are so important as an interface between, especially when you have athletes as young as Mary going to a, an adult program like Nike Oregon Project. Um, and I'll just take this moment to when we interview athletes, and we do interview a lot of athletes that are interested in using us as coaches, um, I, the first thing I do is, is I'll take the young athlete separate from the parent and, and ask them a, a simple question to blink twice if they're at the track against their will. And I've actually had a couple athletes wow. blink twice. They don't want to be there. Their parents want them to be there. So it's, it's communication. If, if these kids felt comfortable enough to talk to their parents that they really didn't want to be there, then they wouldn't be put in that situation. But having said that, almost always I get a positive response and, and the kids that want to be at the track, that's what keeps us coming back. If we see kids that are willing to work and have goals, then we're going to be there to facilitate for them. Yeah, that's great. That's great. Now on to something more positive. You guys have been involved with some um, big marathon-type situations, specifically like the New York Marathon, and you can work with the leadership on that. Can you kind of tell us how that worked out? Any fun stories that you have from that? Well, I'll say that I've been involved at a national level an international level with the sport of long distance running since the early 90s. I put on a, a 10 mile race down in Lake Jackson, Texas called the Brazosport Run for the Arts 10 mile. And our very first year we had 14 runners under 50 minutes. Oh, wow. and, and those in the area were in awe that we were able to attract that kind of field and they were wondering how it was done. Well, I'll go back to Alan Shepard putting his foot on the moon. I knew I could build a world-class race in Lake Jackson, Texas. And by doing that in 1995, I was invited to become involved with the USA Track and Field Long Distance Running Women's Athlete Development Program program that I oversaw for from 1995 until 1992. So in that capacity, I was able to work with a lot of our top road races around the United States, sending, advocating and sending athletes that qualified to our highest tier a lot of our national championship events, but certainly Chicago and Boston and New York City and Houston and California International and rock and roll, all the marathons. In 2002, I became the Women's Long Distance Running National Championships Chair. In that capacity, I was soliciting and entertaining bids from all of our major marathons around the United States again to host our not only our, our USA track and field national championships but I also had the privilege and honor of working with Dave McGillivray the race director of the Boston Marathon in 2004 and 2008 I was able to sit in and work with 
Dave and the groups to put on our uh, women's Olympic trials marathons. So awesome. that is that's the background that got me started primarily advocating for American athletes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, Linda, I think you also were involved with the leadership of the USA Track and Field, specifically in Nebraska, and Mark, can you well, tell us I about that? I came on at the national level, too, okay. in uh, 2002, and I took over what Will, when he went to uh, the championship races, I did ADP, the Athlete, athlete Development Program, for probably 10 years. Oh, wow. And you sat on the women's long distance running executive, executive committee. committee. Yep. Yep. So, and in that capacity, the the executive committee would determ determine determine uh, standards for our Olympic trials marathons. Those are some of the considerations yep. that were always on the table. Athletes who would get paid. Um, Prize money considerations. Excellent. So now one of your guys' big projects is the Valley Seven Lakes Marathon. So taking all that experience from the national level and bringing it locally. Kind of tell me how, how and why you guys started the Valley Seven Lakes Marathon. Well, we listened to the running community in Nebraska. And there was a, a hue and cry for another marathon in the spring. And while We've always respected other events in the area and tried to schedule our events and efforts to not conflict. We found after research that the very best possible day to run a marathon in Nebraska happens to be the last Saturday in April. So here we are. Uh, the first thing we did was pick out the, the best possible day weather-wise, historically. We also are taking advantage of the natural topography and geography of our area here, being between the Elkhorn and the Platte River, we're Pancake Flat, and it occurred to us after running thousands of miles out here that this might be the flattest, possibly the flattest marathon course in the world if we could get all the roads closed. And so that was an effort that began over two years ago. We started having meetings with Douglas County Sheriff and the Douglas County Engineers and the City of Valley and the City of Waterloo and our colleagues in the running community and received great endorsements from those serious, most serious about our sport that we could indeed execute a world-class race with small-town charm right here in the, the Valley Waterloo area. And so uh, our race director, Tristan Nelson, was charged with designing our course with some key information. Uh, London has a maximum elevation gain of 54 feet in their marathon. Dubai has a maximum of 49 feet. Rotterdam is in the 40s. I think somewhere in the 60s. Berlin, I think, yeah. might be in the 60s. Yeah. But we knew what our numbers were, and Tristan was able to come back with a course that featured a maximum elevation gain of only 32 feet. And with our 
support from our communities, we've been able to shut down all the roads to make it the world's completely, the world's flattest, completely closed road marathon. Now, while that's something that's exceptional, I think it's also worth pointing out and part of the motivation to, to bring an event to Nebraska. It's the only completely closed road course in Nebraska for a marathon, USA track and field certified and sanctioned. So, as a novice, it's kind of amazing all the details that go into it. Just, it's great to see you're taking your that experience you guys have on a national level and bringing all that experience and knowledge and putting this world-class event on in, in Valley, Nebraska. It's just so awesome. It's for our American athletes, Matt. Everything that we've done over the last 20-some years, especially here in Nebraska, has has been geared towards American athletes. Whether it was the, the athlete development program or the national championships or the founding of the, the Nebraska Association Long Distance Running Program, which I founded in 2001. Team Nebraska, 2002, we became one of the top clubs in the United States. What we've always tried to do is raise the bar. In fact, on my blog, www.rungurusays.com, the, the title header has always been stimulating the running community to a more competitive culture. And that is something that I'll do until I take my final steps, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. So last year, you know, everyone knows about the, how the floods affected Waterloo and, and forced the cancellation of the, um, the event. Kind of talk about that, little, that experience a little bit and kind of how that all played out and your thoughts behind all that stuff and how the community pulled together and those kind of things. Well, it, it was uh, devastating personally for Linda and I because we were kind of at ground zero in our old house, which, yeah, we're no longer there. But we did watch our course being washed away, and we knew that, that it was going to have to be on hold for a year. It, it was difficult because there was so much energy from our committee, and we were all ready to pull the trigger. Um, the, the community was anticipating it. When we had to cancel, it, it was difficult, but it has given our communities a chance to rally behind the event now and understand that we can bring the attention of the, of the entire United States to our area and show how well we have rebounded from, from last spring. And, and that's been one of the greatest aspects of this whole effort is, is how the community all aspects of the community have rallied behind the event now to show that we are indeed hashtag strong. That's awesome. So how do people sign up for the event? Well, we have um, com. We also have a Facebook page that they can follow and get information. Certainly, if they read my daily blog, RunGuruSays.com, they're going to get bombarded <laughs> with information about the event. It's it's a labor of love for Linda and I and our entire committee, and now our, our entire communities. Uh, it should be noted that uh, 
Cindy Grove has been a, a, a instrumental to our efforts as a member of the Valley City Council, and now she's running for mayor. So, Cindy Grove for mayor. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, uh, Matt Scott with Lifestyle Fitness coming on board. Um, uh, Steve Wolf with Fathom Realty coming on as our, our presenting sponsor. The support that we have from all the, the, the local vendors and smaller H&H uh, &H roofing. Yep. Um, yep. Josh Coates. Omaha Steaks. I mean, the, the community has really rallied around the event. And we're going to show them that we can put on a world-class race right here in the Valley and Waterloo. That's awesome. So kind of playing off of that, what's your kind of outlook for running in Nebraska, building off of all these things you guys are doing? Well, and, you know, I was actually going to start this interview off, Matt, by saying let's start off in, in 10 years from now. Let's, let's jump ahead. What I see is I see 120 American athletes on our start line going for the Olympic trial standard. That's what this course is about. 120 athletes going for their Olympic trials and another 500 athletes going for their Boston Marathon qualifier and then another 500 athletes going after their, their lifetime personal best. This course has been designed for speed and for the opportunity for serious athletes to run to their potential. That's another tag of the event. Come run to your potential. You don't need to be running on sidewalks. You don't need to be in a field of 20,000 runners where you're encountering bottlenecks. We're, we're providing a wide open race, asphalt country roads. Small field. Small field. We're trying to control all the variables to make it an absolute experience for the runners that come here. So, so far, how are enrollments or people signed up? Is what's kind of how things are going so far? We have runners from 29 states right now represented. A little over 200 runners. Awesome. We do have some runners that will be coming in to run fast. Uh, one of the losses from the floods last year, we had. 12 athletes signed up to come in and get their Olympic Trials qualifier. The Olympic Trials will be February 21st in Atlanta. They're the last chance for American athletes to qualify for the trials will be um, at the Houston Marathon in mid-January. The, the qualifying attempts, the, the efforts to achieve the, the marathon trials qualifying standards 219 for men 245 for women or the b standards um, that's gonna take a back seat for 2020 because it's not an olympic trials qualifying year now they will reopen the the olympic trials qualifying period in 2021 and between 2021 and 2024, we see the American athletes really pouring in to Valley Seven Lakes Marathon to get those oh, awesome trials qualified. Great. The future looks bright. That's great oh, to yeah. hear. 
So what advice do you guys have for someone that has a goal of running a marathon someday, but maybe he's not a runner right now or in the best shape or just has that goal? What kind of advice do you have for like a beginner? Well, the first thing they need to do is start running. (laughs) (laughs) And they need to, they need to get some miles under their feet and slow and uh, make sure they have shoes, the correct shoes and brand new shoes and they should be running shoes. And really, that's all you need. And probably, you probably should get a coach. Excellent. So you don't do anything uh, damaging to your body. And I can follow up on that. I think that you can start at the top or you can start at the bottom. If you're starting at the bottom, it starts with your shoes. Like Linda says, go in. You can go locally. You can go to uh, peak performance. You can go to fleet feet. Have an expert put you on the treadmill, see what type of foot strike you have, have your foot analyzed by someone familiar with running shoes, and get in the right shoes. Next, get a second pair, because I always encourage my athletes to have at least two pair of shoes so that they're alternating between them. Uh, Just as important as getting new shoes is knowing what to do with your old shoes. As soon as you are are sure that you're done running in that pair they they've reached their limit donate them or throw them in the trash do not put them on and wear them around the house don't mow the yard in them don't go to the mall once they're broken down they're broken down and if you continue to wear them you're going to cause yourself foot problems there's no doubt about it so yeah you can start at the bottom with the feet or my preferred approach is to start at the top which is with the head uh, my other main coaching tenet is the mind is the athlete. Oh, that's great. That's, that came from <coughs> Andy Palmer, a Ph.D. sports psychologist and a 213 marathoner back in the day, uh, founder of Zap Fitness out in Blowing Rock, North Carolina, one of our Olympic development groups. Andy and I were, were dear friends, and uh, that was his, his lesson for me was the mind is the athlete. The second most important thing he told me was the hardest miles you'll ever run are the slow miles and they're the most necessary. So again you can start with a new runner at the top or you can start at the bottom but the first thing you have to do is start just like Linda said you got to start running. And that's great advice. I wish I would have known about the shoes because I went out and bought some new shoes. I'm trying to get into more running. I bought some new shoes, really nice shoes. I think I've broken them down. I'm ready. I should have had two pairs and alternated, and I think I need to get ready and you know, get some. You know, put like 300 to 500 miles on them. I might not have that many miles yet, but I feel <laughs> like they just have, the shoes are broken down. So I think that's great advice. It depends on <laughs> your natural foot strike. Um, I tend to limit my miles to 250. Um, some runners are fine going up to 400, maybe even a little bit beyond. Personally, and I'd like to thank Brooks Running for their continued sponsorship. Linda and I have both been sponsored by Brooks Running for 15 years for Linda, 16 for me. So we'd like to acknowledge what a great shoe Brooks offers. That's great. Now, do you guys, when it comes to shoes, do you recommend that you only wear your shoes when you're running and then you don't wear them any other time? They're just specifically for running? Oh, exactly right. We have shoes that we knock around in. Uh, and sh- the shoes that we train in are exclusively for training. Okay, great. Good right. advice. 
Now, I've seen some of your guys' practices, and at the end of practice, sometimes you have the athletes running barefoot. Can I talk about what that's all about, the concepts with that? Well, following up on, on my allegiance to Brooks running, I've said for years, I run in Brooks or I run in nothing at all, and sometimes I do run in nothing at all. In fact, uh, barefoot running is a cornerstone to a, a, a well-rounded training program. It helps put your, uh, your psyche and your entire body in contact with the ground. The, the proprioceptors in your feet get to, to, to feel and touch and mold. And when that happens, you're developing strength on, on a much more finer level. Put your foot in more of a natural uh, position without the shoe. You can build a lot of strength in your feet. That's great. And the athletes seem to really like it. Talk about the mental part of it. The athletes seem to really like that part of the practice. It makes so. them a kid again. Right. Because so. that's actually what we're doing is we're allowing the athletes to go out and experience running in a childlike manner and it's 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 really a, a nice way especially after maybe a, a set of difficult quarter miles or mile repeats where they've really just gotten out and, and beaten themselves up on the track maybe they were in their spikes we have them take their shoes off and get out there on that nice soft grass and just do a few pickups and it's always a good way to wind up a workout awesome that's great so I have a really uh, tough question for you guys. In your prime, who was the better runner? <laughs> you know, well. I know you're both very competitive people, so. <laughs> you know me, I'm kind of shy, but I, I was. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that, answer. that's great, I love it. <laughs> yeah, I had a little bit more talent. Um, I was racing uh, the boys down the line when I was uh, probably in second grade. Awesome. Beating them and then in sixth grade, I, I started competing uh, in middle school, and I was still beating the boys. And then high school, I did pretty well. And then uh, college, I had to pick between track and gymnastics, and I, I did track. And then after that, I took a break, had kids, and I kept running. And then back in my 40s, I went back to compete. And how did that happen? <laughs> From the run guru. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I, I would second that Linda was by far the, the better athlete. Um, she mentions taking a break and returning to running. That's when I first met her. I saw her running out around uh, our local Mecca, Lake Zarinsky in, in West Omaha. and. Every time I would see her running, I would think that she had perfect running form and that she looked like she had the potential to be possibly the, the most naturally gifted athlete that I've ever had the opportunity to work with, and I've worked with thousands of athletes. So um, getting her trained up, it was, it was a process. She approached me and said that she wanted to become a distant runner <laughs> so I knew I had some work to do and then she asked me uh, if she could run a marathon and I told her that it would take me five years to get her there and it did yep 
and when she was ready, she was she was ready. Um, has won Linda has won multiple medals at the uh, indoor national championships for track and field at the mile, the 800. Did you win anything at the quarter? I think it was just the 800 and the mile. Okay, I I did win my age group at the. 2008 25k national championships in Grand Rapids, Michigan. So I was always uh, maybe a little stronger in the in the distances, but as far as natural speed and, and yeah, Linda by far was the better athlete. Well, I thought this was going to be a tough question, but I was going to ask who is your favorite athlete you've worked with. But I think I, I think I know the answer. You probably should say. But <laughs> oh, uh, um, you know, and, and it, it may seem intuitive, Matt. But um, I think about this sometimes. I think the answer is my next athlete. Oh, that's a, that's interesting. Uh, another way to answer it would be any athlete that is willing to show up and and ask us for help because it tells us with our reputations in the running community if somebody has the ability to approach us and ask them to coach ask us to coach them they know they're in for work and and i just i appreciate that so much that every athlete that i work with seems to be my favorite right now i have a little young lady that we worked with last summer that's really close to the top. A couple of young boys that we worked with now for several years and watched them develop. Um, it's, it's hard not to have special places reserved for them, but um, anybody that really is willing to get out there and be honest with themselves and be honest with their coaches, those are our favorite athletes. Well, that's a great answer because I threw it out there because I wanted to see if you were going to do a political correct coaching answer or something <laughs> unique like that, and that was a great answer, so thank you very much. Um, uh, Chris, I want to come back to you, Linda. We talked about like female athletes and stuff. What can be done to get more women into coaching, do you think? Is there a way to build that, get more women to coaching, track, and sports? I'm not sure. You know, and I don't know how many women there are out there coaching right now. Um, you know, at our high schools and our middle schools, I know it's hard to find coaches in middle schools and high schools. Usually, they are male dominant. But I, I mean, I have seen women on the field um, coaching. But um, it's a that's a great question. Is there any mentoring type programs for coaches or anything out there? I, I, I don't know. So we, we do have um, USA Track and Field has a, a level one coaching program. And I will say this, one of the things uh, you did mention mentoring, Matt, um, as a run guru, part of my charge is mentoring. And towards that end, last year, two years ago, <coughs> Uh, several of the women that run for our club, Run Guru Elite, it was Linda, Jackie Freeman, Ashley Sherman. And there was quite a few women from the yeah. state of Nebraska that attended the level one coaching. Oh, that's great. So At the that, university, yeah. So, that, so there are, they're there. They're there. Well, that's good to know. I, just it, I think it's, it's probably 
more difficult, and I'm, I'll try not to speak out of turn here, but I think it's more difficult for women to be considered for entry-level coaching positions in the, in the middle school and high school ranks especially just because the old guard is so well ensconced and unwilling to... It seems like it's still male-dominated. It's a male-dominated, yeah. yeah. Especially in your smaller communities okay. where there's been a long history of, of men being coaches. I just think it's, it's a little more difficult for women to be taken seriously as candidates. Okay, great. The other day I, was, I talked to you guys um, on texting, I think it was, and you were telling me that you were getting ready for the um, Nebraska Trail Run. Can you kind of tell me about how that's going and tell us about that a little bit? Well, sure. Um, and, and part of what we do, almost all of what we do, Matt, is through our 501c3 mm -hmm. not-for-profit, Nebraska Run Guru Elite Incorporated. Our, our mission with our not-for-profit is to provide healthy lifestyle opportunities for youth and adult of Nebraska and, and indeed the Midwest and beyond. Um, um, when you talk about the Valley Seven Lakes Marathon being a national level event, same goes back to the Nebraska Trail Run. Um, we'll be hosting our 14th annual this April 4th out at Platte River State Park. Business Insider Magazine dubbed it the eighth most challenging trail run in the United States. So we go from the easiest marathon course, <laughs> the most pancake flat in the world, to more, one of the most difficult trail runs in the U.S. It's a, a 12 kilometer, a uh, little over seven miles, and it's, it's always amazing to me. Again, this will be our 14th year to do the event, uh, the repeat athletes when I see them at packet pickup or registration I, I always look at them like they're a little crazy because they know what they're getting into and yet they still come back and do this it is a it's a brutal brutal race it's single track yeah so it's hard to pass you're on a trail with with trees tree roots and, and we have 13 named hills on the course. <laughs> and a crick crossing. And a crick crossing. Um, so yeah, that's, that was one of the first events that we started back in the early 2000s. Um, we have continued to add events. It, it's been something that's been a, a really a life's passion with me, Matt. Um, event management and providing athletes of all abilities an opportunity to get out and, and take part in this sport that means so much to me. Um, in the trail run, uh, we have our 2020 Winter Fitness Series, mm -hmm. which is three races that are held in January and February. I think we're now in our seventh or eighth year for that. Um, they're kind of low-key events, but they're also in the theme of being offered to the community to come out and participate or to come out and race. Last year, the winning time at our uh, Rust Buster 5K was 15.02. Um, Nolan Zimmer from Lincoln Running Company Racing came out and, and led several of his mates out to uh, some fast times. But the 
people that are out there walking are are getting just as much benefit and enjoyment and camaraderie out of the events, which is what the, the Winter Fitness Series is all about, helping people stick to their New Year's resolutions. And, um, yeah. That's awesome. Speaking of New Year's Day, you guys are going to be involved with a, a fun event at Lifestyle Fitness in Waterloo. What kind of things do you guys have planned, or what are you guys thinking about what you're going to be doing for that? Well, we're really excited about this, Matt, because... Um, everything we've been doing for the last several years has been leading up to 2020. And to kick 2020 off with, with our resolution run at, at Lifestyle Fitness in Waterloo, it really pulls everything together that we've been doing. It shows that, that we have our 2020 Winter Fitness Series right down the road. Um, we have the Valley Days 1500 meters, Nebraska's only metric mile in August. We're at, we've added an, a new event, Waterloo Days, um, with details to be announced on the distances and uh, other particulars. But Waterloo has now come on the schedule. Uh, the Twin Rivers YMCA half marathon, and 10K and 5K and kids run in September. So we've been building these events in the area over the last several years and again we see 2020 as, as a launching moment for our programs and our community in fact um, I was telling Linda yesterday I and again I've only been in Nebraska for 20 years but there's there's been this existence these two entities there's been the Lincoln running community and then there's been the Omaha running community and they've existed in their own bubbles very rarely in fact very rarely do they ever intersect um, when we had Team Nebraska that was one of the reasons I created Team Nebraska was to pull these two running communities together and show that we could be something more than two separate mm -hmm. entities. Now we see with our efforts that will kick off at the, at the resolution run at Lifestyle Fitness on January 1st at 10 a.m., we see this as the genesis of a completely new entity and not one that's separate, but one that will draw parts of both the Lincoln community and the Omaha community to our new efforts here. Uh, the feedback we're getting from the running community has been encouraging and positive and appreciative. So we're building something here in Valley and Waterloo that's gonna be very well received from Eastern Nebraska and Western Iowa, and if if things go well in the next 20 years, and we have 200 athletes lining up for the Olympic Trials Marathon qualifier at the Valley Seven Lakes Marathon, then we've done everything right. That's awesome. Well, we really appreciate you guys this time. Can you give us that website one more time where people can get more information? Uh, mainly, uh, again, I've I've written the daily blog for. 16 years now, www.runguru.says.com. Uh, you can get information on all of our programs, on our organization, on our coaching, our races. Um, 
and then you can also go to valley7lakesmarathon.com and that's the number seven you don't spell it out valley7lakesmarathon.com uh, you can follow us on Facebook at the 2020 Two Rivers Winter Fitness Series you can follow the Valley Seven Lakes Marathon on Facebook and you can follow the Nebraska Trail Run on Facebook as well all right. Well, thank you guys so much for being here and being the first guest on the Best of Health podcast. We really appreciate it. You well, guys. thank you so day. much for having us. All right. Thanks.